Good morning. Someday I will be like Pastor Daniel and be able to commit my sermon to memory. But until then, or whichever happens first, that or retirement, um, I'm going to need a podium. Join me in saying thank you again to the choir and the orchestra. You know, um, I think we underappreciate them. I don't know how many other churches you've been a part of and how many other places you sit and listen to the musicians. I would stack ours up against any of them. It is just such a treat. Thank you guys, always. Well, um, so we are between sermon series and it's a holiday and Pastor Daniel's really tired. So he said, hey Doug, would you mind preaching? I asked Gracie and she said, no, I don't really want to. <laughs> so you're the last resort. So I didn't know Gracie had that kind of power personally, but uh, so we are between life, uh, life's a mess, something like that, right? And we all basically came to, to just affirm that living in community can be messy, right? Whether it's on our own, we can be a mess. If we live in uh, a home or in, in, with any other people, home, life, work, neighborhood, life can be a mess and we're part of the mess, but Jesus helps us through the mess, amen? And then next week we start the Love Handles series. I don't know about you, but I have two that will be coming with me the whole time. It'll come on, it'll, you'll think about it for a minute and you'll, you'll get it, you'll get it, you'll get it. I'm looking forward to that because it's going to be all about the joys, the trouble, the roller coaster that we call marriage. And if you have one, if you've been in one and you couldn't wait to get out of one, whatever your situation is, it's, uh, whew, it can be something. So anyway, I said, so what do you want me to preach about? And he goes, you can preach about anything you want. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> Doug Meyer unleashed getting to... Th- Preach about, Robbie, anything, anything I want. Well, it's also, though, kind of overwhelming. If you go to, like, BJ's Brewhouse, I, I hear they have a big menu. And um, sometimes it's overwhelming. Like, when you can choose anything, where do you start? So where I started was just in my own um, journey at the moment. And I'll share with you that I'm kind of in this back and forth between uh, what's it mean to, to be a Christian and to do Christian, and to the back and forthness of the totality of being in my faith versus kind of doing my faith. And I'm, I really like doing. I'm a great doer. I love, I love doing. But in the midst of all that, I picked up this book that uh, I'd read many years ago by a guy named Dallas Willard. He is a, like one of those way deep thinking people that when you read their books, you have to read the page, you read the page again, then you go online to have somebody interpret what that page was. But he, he, uh, he has a lot of deep thoughts and basically his whole premise is that you and I who call ourselves Christ followers, our charge is to live our life like Jesus would live our life if he were walking around in our shoes. Easy peasy, right? Man, that's overwhelming. That's almost so overwhelming that you just take a pass. Because well, I'm no Jesus. But you know what? The reality is we're supposed to um, imitate Christ as closely as we can. 
So I wonder then in the vein of that, I want you to work with me for a minute here. When are you your most Christian? When does being a Christian come easy for you? Think about it for a minute. Mine is uh, like right Sunday morning. I think I am my most Christian between eight and noon on Sunday. I'm about an 89 to 90% all in Christian on Sunday mornings. How about y'all? I don't have kids I have to wrestle with to get to church. Just a dog, sweet wife, you know. So it's really pretty easy. And most all of y'all are agreeable. Most of y'all are easy kind of to be with people. There's not a lot of demands, mostly nice. Hey, Pastor Doug, way to go. Hey, I like your shirt. I like, you know, it's, it's easy Christian. But it's all, all those other times that begin to get a little hard, right? So when you and I step into the world outside of here, how's it go? What are the things that kind of poke and provoke you when you're not in your easy, safe place? Well, it seems to me that we live in a world that's kind of choosing between doing our faith, being in our faith, and the reality has to be a weaving between the two. So I'm a really good, I'm good at doing faith. Like I love doing because it, you know, it's, man, here's my lane. It's kind of like I compare it to my uh, Friday day off to-do list. How many of y'all make to-do lists? Are you to-do list makers? Man, I make a good, a really good. Wendy's here to testify to this, so get ready, honey. Um, Friday morning, uh, it's my day. She goes to school, nobody's home to tell me what to do. So I make my to-do list, and it's nice. I have a good penmanship. I write it out, and then one by one, I put a line through it, and I really, I conquer that to-do list. I mean, but the coolest part is at the end of the day, I take my little to-do list, and I put it on the counter right where Wendy will see when she comes home at the end of the day. She brings her school bag in and she plomps it down, worn out as can be, but I'm standing there with my to-do list, very proud, very proud of my to-do list with all the lines through it. And that is supposed to be her cue to go, oh my gosh, you worked so hard today for us. You just give and give and give. I, I couldn't love you more right now. You're the best. You're the better than the best, honey. I love you. Sometimes it works like that. Other times I don't hear it quite like that in my head. But I have it, on, I have it written out for her right next to my to-do list. Here's what you're supposed to say right now, sweetheart. But you know, there's something about to-do list and to-do list phase in that it creates this boundary and it creates this check it off, bring school supplies on it, collect blue jeans on it, Give a little extra to CCA on it. It's stuff that I can think about, calculate, and plan. That's pretty, it doesn't get any easier to be a Christian, does it, than that. Well, there's a whole lot more to life than the to-do list in there. Are there things in your world that just get under your skin? We're going to spend the next hour just griping, okay? (laughs) No, not really. But we are going to think about... What's, um, you've heard the word trigger, and trigger applies to all sorts of different things, uh, especially the things that kind of get us going. 
So uh, Amy and the media department helped me create, this is only gonna last a minute, but you're about to experience um, my triggers and some of your triggers throughout the coming week, okay? Just tune into the video, check it out. Trigger just sitting there watching that. Everybody take, take a deep breath, you're okay. That was just on TV. It's those moments though that test me to be the most Christian. It's those moments when I am unprepared and sometimes my thoughts and my actions don't align with Sunday morning, Doug. Many of us uh, are big sports fans, right? You like football? Anybody watched a football game yesterday, today? I understand, I was a band nerd. I mean, I was full on band nerd, but so I've watched a lot of football games and I know enough to know that there's the offense and the defense. Offense are really usually pretty fast and smart people, good at throwing the ball and their goal is to get from here to the goal line, right? The defense are great big hulky guys whose job it is to stop those people from getting to my goal line. I think that's a lot of what uh, I find myself playing defensive Christian waiting for the next shoe to drop or the bad thing to happen just in case, just in the moment. Do you ever do that? Like, I don't know that I am necessarily goal-oriented as, as a Christian as much as I am defensive-oriented, making sure that you don't get me, tackle me, sack me, take advantage of me. I don't think, I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. Sometimes then there is just like auto response, Doug, autopilot, just going, going through the motions without a game plan. And then every, every now and then it's just, uh, what do they call it with your car? Cruise control. You go as long as everything is what? Fine, 65, 75, whatever is the speed limit, you just cruise along until some yahoo gets, around. no, until something happens and you have to release the cruise control. That's kind of like life, isn't it? A lot of us just cruise along, doing whatever it is we need to do until there's something else, until, the untils in our life. So I've been messing in my head with all of this over the last couple of weeks and just trying to, just, I don't know, in a spirit of review, figure out where am I spending my most time and the most energy? And uh, we have this great book, you've probably heard of it, The Holy Bible. Uh, I go to it when I need a refresher. 
and uh, I probably need to go to it more often, but there are some great texts we're going to listen to this morning that I hope, um, I don't really hope that they convict, well, yeah, I do. I hope they convict you like they convicted me, but more enlighten you and kind of call you out into how you're living your faith. The first one is First um, John 2, 3 through 6. And uh, I'm going to make a little confession. Yes, I make mistakes. The version I wrote down in my notes is different than the version I gave the media team. So we're going to go with the version we gave the media team, okay? We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his love for God, it's truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. That's, that's what they say, tall cotton. Whoever says that he lives in God must live as Jesus lived. What's that saying that's popular right now? How's that working out for you? Man, that's a tall order, isn't it? I say a lot of times that I aspire to live as Jesus lived, but man, a little bitty word, four letters, must. There's not a lot of wiggle room in there, is there? Let's look, hear another text. This is from Paul in the letter to the Philippians. Does your life in Christ give you strength? Most of the time. Does his love comfort you? Yes. Do we share together in the spirit? Do you have mercy and kindness? If so, make me very happy by having the same thoughts, sharing the same love, and having one mind and purpose. Those last couple words, one mind and purpose. How are we doing with that? Are your aspirational purposes the same as Christ would be? I go back to that phrase that Dallas Willard said in his book, am I living my life like Jesus would live my life if he were walking around in my shoes? Whew. When I hear it out loud, it's even more convicting because I know there's a big gap in my life of how I walk around and do my life and how Jesus would walk around and do my life. Another text or two just to kind of get under our skin here. Philip, uh, Psalms 37, wait and trust the Lord. Don't be upset when others get rich or when someone else's plans succeed. Don't get angry. Don't be upset. It only leads to trouble. All right, that, it's in the Bible, so did y'all... You're going to do that? Say it out loud with me. Don't get angry. Don't be upset. It only leads to trouble. There you have it. Oh, that it were that easy. Right? Oh, that it were that easy. And then lastly, Micah reminds us, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Humble. Humility. Again, I go back to, am I living my life like Jesus would live his life if he were walking in my shoes? Dallas Willard also gave me a, another thought to wrestle with. He says, being his apprentice is therefore not a matter of special religious activities, but an orientation and a quality of my entire existence. That's, 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 that's heavy-duty stuff, isn't it? my entire existence. It challenges my to-do list Christian faith because that's easy. That can compartmentalize that and I can be it, but it's, it's that time between 
the event and my response where I fall victim. You know, if I had time to plan, I really do well with like a day's warning to be a Christian. Like if something happened, or you can tell me, hey, tonight on your way home, somebody's going to cut you off, they're going to flip you off, they're going to do this, this, and this. You need to have your Christian response ready. I'm great at that. Talk to Wendy, I talk to Daniel, I'm like, okay, help me, resource me here. How can I be the most ready when a beloved child of God, Yehu, cuts? That's a whole other category we'll talk about later. Um, but that doesn't, life isn't like that, is it? When something happens, how long do you and I usually have before we have to exhibit that we're walking like Jesus walked? Five seconds, a nanosecond. It's that, that little gap right there, that, that, that area where the brain is firing, rapid fire, and I'm about to open my mouth or think a thought or wave my hand or something that is not necessarily always demonstrative of my faith. Any of y'all align with that? Anybody else here in the house kind of have that struggle? So join me here then, and let's think bold thoughts. We can change a behavior. They say it takes repeating a pattern, repeating a ha uh, 66 times, 66 days in a row to make a change. Let's not try to change everything about us. Most of us only have one or two things to work on, right? We're almost there. We're almost, uh, so close. Most of y'all are just so very close that if you just worked on one or two things, it's going to put you over the top. So let's think about what we might tackle over the next 66 days. The early service, somebody researched 66 days ends on November the 8th. We're going to come back together on November the 8th, and we're going to have an opportunity to share how we've improved, okay? So mark it on your calendars. Put a little note to yourself. But um, seriously, what would it take for you and I to change one little thing? Just one thing. Don't, you know, when I, it's like me in a diet. When I say I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to lose 25 pounds. You know, two later, I'm back at the bluebell just scarfing it down. Little change. How about this one? I'm gonna give you some suggestions. Adopt a response of kindness. I put that one first because so often um, it seems as if I don't know how to respond. When I was Googling again this week, man, Google is great. Google can almost write your sermon for you if, you're, you, know, if you need help on Thursday night real late. Um, and I Googled, um, how many times is love mentioned in the New Testament? Check this out. Look at there. I was looking for ways out, ways to respond other than that. Loving kindness. Loving kindness. So what would that look like in your life? Think about the person, um, I don't know, maybe you have an office nemesis. Maybe you have a neighbor that you just is always crawling under your skin. Maybe it's a kid in your classroom that just is pushing all your buttons. Maybe it's your husband or wife, or God forbid, it could even be you. Who knows what is that thing that you need to work on? How many of y'all, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand, 
Just look at the person sitting by you and eye them for a minute and think, do they need to work on this? Maybe they need to work on this. And they're thinking, you probably need to work on this. What would working on it look like? You know, we live in a world, especially if you're out and about, that has encounters with people all the time. Nice people, strangers, people who are happy and nice to you and people who are mean and rude to you, right? What if you and I practiced just every day looking at that person and going, that's a beloved child of God. No matter what they are dealing you, in that moment, you honor them by recognizing that they are a beloved child of God. You think maybe that would alter a little bit of the uh, attitude you had toward them? That you have no idea what's going on in their life. Could be a mess, could be horrible, something, tra- you know, no telling. And it's not even important what's going on to, for them to earn being respected as a beloved child of God, is it? Secondly, judging. How many of y'all, when you see other people, can pretty quickly size them up? Like if you could look at me right now, am I a hot, sweaty mess? Yes, I am. Wendy Gale, can you throw me a napkin? Is it as hot out there as it is up here? If this church could just get an air conditioner. Man, alive, y'all. I'm sweating off five pounds. Um, so I grew up in a home with a dad who's a great dad, but he's also a racist dad. And he had a name for everybody who looked different than the people in our little neighborhood. And he called them that very regularly. So much so that that was um, the language that I grew up hearing for people who were different than us. And, um, you know, when you, when you get a repeated diet of that, what does that do? What does that do to you? Well, it kind of just filters its way in. So ever since I went away to college and learned, because that just continued on all the way through my growing up years, that um, there's a name for that, and it's called a racist, and it's wrong. And there are, world, uh, there are people in our world who uh, all they are is different than that from us, and that doesn't make them better or worse or different or this or that. They're just different, and different is okay. Okay, right? But what I got to tell you is I still struggle with this little gnawing thing in my belly that if I see you and you are different than me, radically different, I perceive you as a threat. And I go into my defensive posture. And um, God's really been working on that with me of late because you and I both know the world is a beautiful place full of all sorts of different people, right? And... uh, Each and every one, no matter what, deserves my respect and my recognition that they are a what? Beloved child of God. So that's one that I'm going to keep working on, and I invite you to do that as well. And then lastly, I would encourage us all to um, embrace a spirit of generosity. Generosity can come in a lot of different ways. Immediately, I don't know about you, I think of finances But generosity also comes in the way that you acknowledge a person, the way that you compliment a person. You know, um, I grew, when I got to the age of being able to go out to eat, um, my, uh, the wife of my kids uh, and I would venture out and I was always kind of what I would call a miser tipper. Like I, you know, back in that day, 
we all tipped, or the implication was tip 10%. I was more like an 8% tipper. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm embarrassed now to admit it, but I would count out the dollars, I would carry the math and do the, okay, what's 10%? And I would shave it down a little bit. And uh, my wife at that time, Susan, would go, that's ridiculous. You have enough money in your wallet right now to tip that person generously. And it really came home when our kids in high school took on jobs as waiters and waitresses and servers. And you begin to have a new appreciation for what they put up with, for one thing, we are messy people and not very nice people, let me just say that. And they're making you know, barely, not even minimum wage as a wait person, and then they're trying to add up their tips. You know that we Christian people have a reputation for being the worst tippers. Have you heard that? And that wait staff hate to get the shift on Sundays right after church. It's true. If you, you go ask somebody today, if you go up here to Hillside and you have you a real nice fancy meal, they're like, oh, did you just go to treats this morning? And you say to them, no, I'm from the village. <laughs> just teasing village friends. We, Maybe Valley Creek, but not. <laughs> anyway, um, more than likely, that person is in a different financial place than you are. And you can bless them. Look at it that way. It's not just giving them a tip. It's a way to bless them for their hard work. Ask them their name. I'm that guy. I know it's a commercial where you're not supposed to ask everybody their darn name. I ask them their name. Honor them. Affirm them. Compliment them for their great service. Be generous of spirit. Make them wonder, man, that guy's awful nice guy, or that lady's a really sweet lady. Wonder what makes them different. So here's your challenge over the next how many days? Ooh, you're listening. 66 days, pick one thing. And here's the trick. You got to do it every day. You don't just do it like, okay, I think on Sundays I can do it, and then the rest of the week. Pick a thing Begin living both in your being a Christian and your doing a Christian. Are y'all willing to do that with me? I'm going to call each one of y'all on November the 8th, either Matt or maybe Daniel. Pastor Daniel likes to make phone calls. He'll be doing it. He'll join me. Gracie, maybe too. We can be what Jesus asked us to be, the Christian who is walking the way Jesus would walk day in and day out, right? Right? There you go. All right, let's pray. Gracious and holy God, we, uh, we confess that sometimes doing life like you ask us to do is tough because we get real caught up in who we are and what we are and what we're about and uh, just taking care of our own mess. God, you ask us to step out. Sometimes it's stepping out of what is really comfortable and to uh, boldly live for you. We are humbled by your graciousness and your patience as you put up with us day in and day out when we don't hit the mark. But again, there is tomorrow, and for that we are grateful. Amen.